When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Hunter podcast. We have so much to talk about this week. Uh, three different surfaces, four different, um, from, four different tournaments. Uh, two of them were Challenger 175. So of course, Jakob gets to choose where are we going first, grass or clay? 125, of, of course, uh, but we will start with Serbiton, uh, our first grass event of the season. So exciting. And it was made even more exciting by the fact that it was Sir Andy Murray winning the whole thing, beating Yuri Rodionov 6-3-6-2 for his fourth challenger title, his second one this season already after Axan Provence. And with that title in Axan Provence and this one in Serbiton, he now has a challenger title on each surface. Um, while looking at that, like I, I was sort of curious, like, oh, how has he never won a challenger on, on grass before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, last year he, he was in the semis against Kudla. And before that, he hadn't really played. And that led me to discover that he actually lost to Igor Zelenai uh, in Manchester in 2004, uh, which is absolutely unbelievable to to think about nowadays. But on this run in 2023, 19 years on, he beat Hyun Chung to, to start 6-3-6-2, beat Bu Yun Chao Kete 7-6-6-4, dropped his only set of the week against Jason Kubler 3-6-6-3-6-4, beat Jordan Thompson 7-6-6-3, and then Egez Rodinov 6-3-6-2 with that rain delay in the middle he still drops one spot number 44 because he was also defending the stuttgart final uh from the 250 so basically uh as as, as well as the serbiton semi so it was like a total of 195 points that he was trying to defend gets 125 back though which is a great effort for him drops just 70 and yeah what a week for andy Murray. how did you enjoy it yeah, I mean, we both picked him. Certainly felt like that uh, challenger grass title, you know, it must appear somewhere if he just starts playing it more. I checked the records that you mentioned too, like between 2004 and 2022, he didn't play on grass, right? On the challenger level. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, um, that's pretty much how it happened. But of course, he's absolutely insane on the surface. I mean, the natural movement, the sort of, um, you know, defensive scrambling that he is scrambling that he can pull off actually kind of similar to Jordan Thompson in this way, uh, whom he also played this week, of course, um, where they can just sort of chip and, um, and grind on grass, which I think is just really requires a lot of skill with the, with the sort of power that can be coming at you on the, sur- uh, on the surface. And of course, you know, it has to be said that Rodionov uh, was looking unbreakable on serve all week. And then he runs into Mare and he just doesn't get any free points at all. So, you know, that, that's no accident. I mean, that's just the sort of return skills that he still has, even at this stage of his career. Of course, he's a two-time Wimbledon champion, but that was, well, a while ago and a few surgeries ago, but even right now, he, he is still an amazing grass court player. Kind of weird that he's not going to Stuttgart, but instead plays non Nottingham. Apparently, Andy Murray really likes it on the Challenger Tour this year, which I mean, he's won two of the three tournaments he played, right? Exactly. He's won two of the three tournaments he played. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you can't 
ever underestimate just how good this guy still can be uh, on, especially on the grass courts. It was a great performance. And yeah, as for uh, Rodionov, it was his eighth challenger final, his second one this season. Uh, his first loss in a final since February 2021, uh, when he lost to Mackenzie McDonald in Nur Sultan on hard courts. Uh, this week, as you said, he just looked unbeatable and he was beating like really, really good grass court players, starting with Otto Vitanen, 6 4 6 2, then comes up against Chris Eubank, 6 2 6 4, Diallo, 6 4 6 4, who we will speak about later as well, and then Zizuberg, 6 2 6 4, just all guys with really, really uh, good games suited to the surface. And he was just routining all of them, not dropping more than a 6 4 set uh at all and then didn't really get a shot uh in the in the final against murray goes up 20 spots number 114 his new career high ranking what did you make of rodionov this week yeah could have been so close to the 100 had he won right still still huge for him new career high as he said but um could have been like uh, 27 points away i think he will be 77 points away from the top 100 so um you know perhaps not that big a deal but for the for the Dionov, it's of course huge because he has been struggling to just get over the finish line when it comes to the top 100 debut as he said he was just crushing everyone and great grass court players right i mean virtanen who um was so good on the grass in um in the uk last year eubanks huge serve diallo huge serve very pretty big serve and a very aggressive game but i guess that's also kind of what um ended up failing him right in the final because he just played someone with a completely different game profile and clearly just posed a very different challenge i don't know if he would have been if he would have been um like really ready for it if he actually played someone similar to Mare along the way but he clearly wasn't in the final and yeah he was not broken even until the match against Mare. only faced four break points and yeah as he said six four six two six four six two and that and that's so amazing week for him and i don't think he really had many grass results earlier right no no i mean like it, the, the the game was always very very uh obviously suited to faster services to to indoor hard um so it's it's not a massive surprise for me that that rodinov sort of exploded with with this big well, big apparently grass he result. was a, a stuttgart semi-finalist in 2021 um, but hadn't won a match on in a challenger on, on grass, uh, but also played Berks, Mare, and um, Troitsky in 2019. So I guess the rifles were also yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a tough tough couple of opponents to to try and get going get, get against. Uh, let's talk about our semifinalists that we had in Silverton, starting with Zizou Bergs, who beat two qualifiers, uh, White House and Savile, seven six six two, and then six two seven six. Beat Constant Lestien as well, 7-6-6-3 in the quarterfinals. Didn't really uh make a dent against Rodionov, but makes a sec makes a second challenger semifinal this season. What did you make of Zizou Bergs this week? Yeah, disappointing not to get anything against Rodionov, like not even I don't know, to a tiebreak or something. But certainly we can see that he's super comfortable on the grass. I mean, he he plays well everywhere, right? But he won Ilkley last year, and like I think he's like so much more inventive as well, so much more aggressive on the grass than than he can sometimes be on on clay. If he's maybe not feeling too confident, and that's always good for his game. Um, you know, all these, um, the, the grass, the, the grass swing that we have in the UK. So, um, Surbiton, Nottingham, Ilkley, these are all 125s. 
So for players like Bergs or I don't know, um, Gabriel Diallo, maybe who I don't know if you'll mention, but like these guys can really benefit from this, I think, because even a semi here and like, I don't know, three semis or two semis, one quarter, these are huge point gains. And, uh, Bergs certainly is among these guys. Like you would expect him to, to actually get something from that 12 and three, by the way, in his career on grass, which is kind of crazy, but, uh, oh, actually 11 three because the match in, um, in Hurlingham in the exo doesn't count, I suppose, but, 11 and 3, that's pretty amazing. Um, of course, the sample size isn't that huge, and most of that is just the Ilkley title last year, but still quite, quite crazy to think about. Mm -hmm. uh, we also had Jordan Thompson reach the semis, beating Mackenzie McDonald, 6 4 6 4. Lucky loser Zachary Spida, 6 2 7 5. And then Rinki Hijikata, 7 6 6 2, before eventually losing to Murray, his third challenger semi final this season. What did you make of Thompson? Yeah, it was the defending champ, right? And he had an amazing grass swing last year. Always someone who is going to well in these events, I think. Um, kind of plays like Mare, I think, these days, really, with this sort of um, you know, chipping and, and grinding on grass and, and a big serve as well, because both of these guys, I think, have really underrated first deliveries. And um, yeah, nothing really we wouldn't expect from Thompson. You know, he, he had a decent draw, I would say. But like, this is exactly what we thought he would do with it. Um, he's just that good on grass. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember we, we both sort of maybe looked at him as our second yeah, favorite yeah. behind Murray. And I think, yeah, he, he, he performed very well. Also wanted to highlight uh, Gabriel Diallo, who made the quarterfinals, beating Liam Brody and Dan Evans, the top seed in his grass debut, pro or junior. He, he never played junior Wimbledon or any of that. He actually wasn't very highly ranked as a junior at all, Gabriel Diallo. Uh, but yeah, what did you make of Diallo's debut grass uh, week? Looks like very much natural, but I guess with his game, we kind of already knew that. But yeah, then again, uh, as we often say here, like it's it's different thing to, you know, to think about something and actually see it uh, in action. Certainly the win over Evans was kind of eye-catching. And um, yeah, just against Rodionov, he wasn't able to do anything on return. If I remember correctly, Rodionov won all, all points on first serve. <laughs> or something like that and it was like 30 ish so um yeah not great in that regard but um certainly yeah i mentioned to him already when i was talking about bergs that uh diallo i think is also one of these guys who could really gain a lot of points here especially as like he only started his pro career in june right last year so he's still not defending that much until that um lexington title or whatever he won last year um now it was like not lexington it was i think uh one of the canadian ones right Granby, oh Granby, yeah. Mm -hmm. And over in the doubles, we had Liam Brody and Johnny O'Mara win the doubles title, uh, first challenger doubles title in his career for Liam Brody, who actually broke an eight uh, eight match losing streak in doubles. Do you want to guess when the last time was that he had won a match in doubles? I remember actually seeing that Brody and O'Mara won this title, and I was like, Liam Brody in doubles. Do I even like, have I ever seen him play doubles? <laughs> and, um, okay. It, it seems like, like my, um, you know, intuition was pretty much pretty right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, 2018. <laughs> Is that too no, much? No, no. So, so, so it was actually 12 months ago in Serbia. Okay, the last time ago. he had won a match. Oh, so the uh, same event. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, then would, like they beat like Gray and Peniston. I, I can't remember who he was playing with. But yeah, Johnny O'Mara, his ninth challenger doubles title, his second one in Surbiton after winning it in 2018 was Luke Bambridge. So yeah, he he got Liam Brody involved and, and got him got him going in doubles, which is pretty interesting. They beat Popirin and Vukic 
in the final, uh, Popirin's first challenger doubles final for Vukic's second one after Poznań in 2021 with oh, Karol Drzewiecki. Yeah, that run yeah. I remember very well. We even had him on the show uh, from Poznań yeah, back there then. You go. Yeah, so so you can go over to Helbron, the other 125 of the week, where we had Matteo Arnaldi win the title, beating Facundo Diaz Acosta seven six six one for his fourth challenger title, his third one this season after Tenerife and Murcia. 3-0 in challenger finals this season on this run and it was a tough run for Arnaldi to to get this title he started by beating Gombos 7-5-6-3 uh, came back from a sit down against Marco Topo 2-6-6-3-6-1 beat Jame Munar also from a sit down 1-6-6-4-7-5 two tight sets uh, against Pedro Martinez 7-6-7-5 and then beat Diaz Acosta in that final 7-6-6-1 moves up 34 spots number 72 in the rankings his new career high ranking what did you make of Arnaldi's run? Yeah, I mean, he he's won three challengers this year already. I don't think he will be going for any records because he's probably not going to be playing them that much. Um, he honestly just, like recently, he looks like a guy who will have a long ATP Tour impact. Um, and um, some of that is, of course, on the serve, which I think maybe last year when he got off clay and he played that challenger in Saint-Tropez where he was in the final, we were already talking about it that um, like his first serve is doing so much damage. Now it's also doing so much damage on clay. And also, of course, from the fact that, you know, he's now also able to play like aggressive tennis. And in some of these matches against players like Munar, whom honestly he should have lost to. I mean, he was 3-5 down in the third. Uh, but against players like Munar or Diaz Acosta, this was basically the main like difference between him and his opponents, that he can play such great attacking tennis. And at the same time, he also has the defense. And um, yeah, he just has such wonderful balance in his game now. And against guys like Gombos, he was absorbing pace so well too. Um, yeah, honestly, just a fantastic run. And um, he kind of looks like we will not we be watching him on the Challenger Tour that much. And of course, we've, we've already mentioned that like out of all these young Italians, you know, not counting the prodigies like Sinner and Musetti, he was actually the first to, to break the top 100. And uh, yeah, you can definitely see why. Yeah, as for Diaz Acosta, it was a sixth challenger final, three and three. His third one this season after he won the titles in Savannah and Oirash. His run to the final was uh, far less star-studded. Started by beating Oscar Ote, 6-1 in the third, then took out uh, Janvier, 7-6 in the deciding set. Beat Akira Santilan in the quarterfinals, 7-5-6-3, and then Moloket by the same score. Up 22 spots, number 115 in the rankings. Also, his new career high ranking for Diaz Acosta. What did you make of his run? Yeah, I believe he actually has the same amount of points as Rodionov. So he's also 77 points away, but could have been 27 had he uh, had he won the final. Um, kind of disappointing for him not to take the first set, for sure. And he was also on a 14-match challenger win streak, not counting the, the French Open. Of course, um, he was in the in the opening set against Arnaldi. He was 4-1, 4-15 up on return. But honestly, it was mostly on Arnaldi's racket. Like once the um, once Arnaldi sort of cleaned up his act a little bit and like was just able to finish off points efficiently with the with the weaponry that he possesses right now as well. Um, it was just a no contest, and especially also the yeah the ease of getting first free first uh, free first serve points uh, was really unmatched. But of course, the the past two months or so have been amazing for Diaz Acosta. Um, very good chance to be a top 100 player this year, and you know looking at how he has played since the middle of April, no one can really say that it wouldn't be deserved. 
Yeah, absolutely. Very, very impressive consistency to go on yet another yet another run this year. Let's go over to our semifinalists, starting with the more surprising one, uh, Molaker, who made the semis as a wildcard, beating Fancelo, 6-4-6-7-6-1. Took out my pick, uh, Fabian Marojan, 7-5-6-4. Then a great match against Daniel Alahikalan, winning 6-4-5-7-7-5. He came in off of an M25 uh, title in Bodrum. Uh, it was his first challenger main draw win since September 2022. He had lost six straight uh, first rounds on the challenger level. And his first challenger semifinals since the Poznan final in 2019, where he beat Quentin Alice and Hubert Hurkacz before losing to Tommy Robredo, moves up 76 spots, number 262 in the rankings. Massive, massive run for Molokere. What did you make of it? Yeah, that Poznan run, we did not have him on um, our show because it didn't exist yet. I also wasn't in Poznan back then uh, live. I remember watching that event on TV, though. Um, I think only the semis and the final, because probably that was only the thing that was sh- that was the only thing that was shown as well. But, um, you know, in Heilbronn, of course, Moleker was a beautiful story because in 2018, when he was just 17, I think, he had this amazing run to the title here. He beat uh, Hanfman, Vatutin, Londero and Veseli all in deciding sets in a row. Um, which was, you know, just five, five and also Lopez Perez in straight. So five, five, five upsets to win the title. He was perceived as an amazing prospect by the German Federation, which also, uh, according to him, is kind of why it failed later on. I think he also beat uh, Ferrer in Hamburg that year when he was just 18. And um, he, um, there, there's a behind the racket story from him where he says that, you know, all the pressure from the brands and the federation uh, was really intense. And that maybe that's why, you know, it didn't maybe go out as, uh, go, go as well as he was hoping for and everyone was hoping for. I've heard like his work ethic also isn't that, that amazing. Uh, but of course, the last couple of years he was really struggling and now he comes here and suddenly has this run again. So fantastic story for him. As you said, Galan Maroshan, these were excellent wins. Uh, his backhand, which usually is a liability. He was just so confident in hitting through him, through it. Um, I don't know if it's something about that, these Heilbronn courts, which do seem to be like maybe a tiny bit faster than like average clay, but also nothing really, you know, that that not, nothing that's enough like out of the norm for um these specific like parameter parameters to um influence Moleker's play so much I think but you know maybe he just has this one one event where he's going to peak uh, throughout his career hopefully it's not going to be just one and as he said he he also won a 25k recently even if the the draw there wasn't maybe that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was like what Sakamoto. I I, I remember seeing was like one yeah. of the few names that I <laughs> Vashro, Vashro, Vashro yeah, as well. Yeah, um, Vashro, I guess was the most impressive win, but you know that's not that's not a strong twenty five k now. Yeah, the other semifinalist was Pedro Martinez beating Henry Squire six four six two, taking out your pick Dominic Team two six six three six one. Uh, overcoming Pavel Kotov in a great contest, 6-4-4-6-7-6, to reach his second challenger semifinal this season after Girona. Martinez, after a, a, a pretty nice run to qualify for the French Open, pushed Griegsport all the way, follows it up with a nice run here. Uh, could we see him get get some form together maybe going forward? 
Yeah, he definitely like um I, I, I think he's really up and down right now. You know, when he played Copeans in the first uh, first round qualifying at the French, for example, he was perfect. And then he um basically has to lose the match against Bagnis, then Bagnis chokes, right? And the, the opposite thing happens against Greek Sport in the first round. So so I think he hasn't really been able to maybe keep a steady level, but he's clearly getting back to um, you know, at least having these peak performances every once in a while, or at least well, recently, I mean Basically, all of his events, he's winning matches. So that's already a, a huge improvement. And yeah, beating Team Kotov and um, also playing a very decent match against Arnaldi is definitely great for him right now um, with, you know, with where he is right now and compared to a couple of years ago, which definitely has to be a bit of a, a hit to his confidence. Yeah, I mean, and talk about getting back to a formal level, Akira Santilan. Mm -hmm. With a quarterfinal run out of qualifying, ripped through Conor Huerta, Huertas del Pino 6-1-6-2 and then Liam Gavieledis 6-6-4 to get into the main draw and take out the top seed Marco Cecchinato 7-5-6-3 before also beating Josef Kovalik 6-2-3-6-6-3. Second challenger quarterfinal in less than a month after Prague, uh, following essentially more than a two-year gap of any uh, such runs on the Challenger Tour. It's it's great to see Akira Santillan back. What did you think? Yeah, I even mentioned like thinking about picking him to win the title last week. And um, it seemed a bit crazy, but when he beat Cecchinato, oh, am I going to regret this? Am I going to regret this? <laughs> In the end, I didn't. Um, well, you know, it, it didn't change much because team was also out. Uh, but certainly, um, yeah, the form he's gotten out of nowhere right now is just exactly why people still think of Santillan as like an underrated player, as someone who hasn't fulfilled his potential. And hopefully he can keep playing like this. Cecchinato also a very nice matchup for him, it seems, because like all the drop shots, all the, um, you know, variety of rhythm doesn't really hurt him. He like, you know, his hand skills are probably just as well, maybe just as good as a stretch, but, you know, that's also one of his assets. <laughs> so it's, it's not like uh, Cecchinato against most players where he just lures them forward and they look like um, you know, they are just completely shaken. Uh, over in the doubles, we had Franzen and Jebens win their second challenger title together this season after Biel in their fourth final. They beat uh, Cornea and Oswald. Cornea's seventh challenger final already in 2023. The first one for Oswald. They actually beat Cornea earlier this season alongside Franco Skugor on indoor hard courts. So... Uh, yeah, so, so, so some of the very like most consistent challenger doubles players that we've had this season are Rantania Benz and, and Cornea. Let's go over to Prostyov, where we had Dalibor Svercina winning the title, beating Tomasz Machac 6-4-6-2, his second challenger title after winning the Prague 50 back in August 2021. Um, on this run, he beat Daderi 57646Love, got a retirement from Elias Imer after five games, beat my pick, Jakub Menschik 7661, and then Lukas Klein 2634664 in the semifinals, up 40 spots to, to number 192. What did you make from this uh, of, of this run from Svrchina that I don't think we expected at all? Yeah, definitely. And like he has a, he has a good way of, um, getting to all these uh, super powerful players like Klein, Menschik, you know, he, he just junk balls a lot. And also, you know, he's so, ex so fast around the court as well. I think that's also how he beat Riedi at the Australian Open, which was, of course, a famous match because Riedi was like in godlike form. And then he wins four games against Tina, who was just, you know, everywhere. 
uh, on the court and um yeah even in these faster indoor set, sort of indoor conditions in Prostejov although in some of these matches I think especially in the semis it was it was indoors um with the retractable roof you know um in the yard they are definitely faster and even even there or like at the Australian Open where it was such a fast court and also like favor- favorable to flat hitters he he still likes playing in such conditions against very powerful players and the Mahach final I was surprised by as well, but you know, maybe there were some other factors in at play there. Mahaj was like um I think he um someone from from um some some a friend of mine who's from the Czech Republic told me that in, at the trophy ceremony he talked about like having an abnormally high high, high pulse um during the match and like he had a he had an MTO on it wasn't clear what, but perhaps they just they just took his blood pressure or or yeah, just checked his pulse. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, so basically uh, maybe that was also at play but that doesn't really take away from Sutina who has now reached four under finals and all of them in the Czech Republic. Yeah, I mean and he had I think at least in my estimation fallen behind Menchik and and sort of uh, really fallen off uh, mm. out, 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 out of like the main Czech prospects, following behind, you know, Lehechka, of course, just sort of ascended. But but in my estimation, he was quite far behind Mahach and, and even behind Menchik at this point. So. I would argue he still might be. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to, to, to be fair, like, like looking at his losses that he took in May, he had lost to Striket twice, uh, Nardi once, and then Kuzmanov once. So like he hadn't really taken bad loss since uh, Ostrava, where he lost to Onklan. And then, of course, the the hard courts were were a rough time for him. But yeah, maybe may, maybe there's still something there. But I definitely wasn't expecting this run in the in the slightest. Gets him back in the top two hundred as well. Very important. As for Tomasz Machac, this was his eighth challenger final, four and four in those finals. His first one this season started it by beating. Well, started the run by beating Ferreira Silva six two six two, took out Mate Valkus six two six love. Roman Andres Buruchega in the quarterfinals, 7-5-6 win in Comesania in the semis, 6-4-6-3. Up 17 spots, number 110. What did you make of this week from, from Mahaj? Yeah, I mean, tough to say anything about the final because, again, I mean, clearly there were some external factors at play, so who knows how it would have looked without them. Uh, but, of course, it was also huge for Mahaj, who we, we mentioned this almost every week, I guess, but he um, was injured last year and basically isn't defending anything until the end of, until the beginning of August. So this is such a good opportunity for him to yeah get back into the top 100 and um, perhaps get a career high that, you know, he hasn't been able to reach before. 97 is definitely a bit of an understatement when it comes to his abilities. Um, at least I'm talking about the career high. And um, yeah, winning four matches in a row after winning one, just one in four events in May is still huge for him. It's just a shame he wasn't able to perform to the best of his abilities in the final, you know, win or lose. Yeah, let's go over to our semi-finalists, starting with Lukáš Klein, who beat Puccinelli de Almeida 6-4-3-6-6-4, took out Emilio Navas 6-3-6-2, beat the top seed Jirji Lehečka 6-3-6-4 before losing to Svrčina in the semis, his second challenger semi-final in 2023. What did you make of this run from Klein? 
Yeah, I mean, the, all these like fast clay events, I think, are great for him. Um, clearly, like if he if he was playing something like this uh, at the beginning of the year, he probably would have broken the top 100. But, you know, that's gone. Maybe maybe he can get back up there because the last few weeks have been pretty good for him. And um, yeah, just just the loss to Sutina, which I think kind of comes from yeah him being just a little too wild i, th- I think we mentioned uh, we talked about it like maybe even over a year ago that klein is like one of these players who just kind of makes a lot of stupid errors <laughs> and, and it's not yeah. it's not great against someone like china who just shrinks the court and you know makes you makes you play a lot of balls but um i think the win maybe over Puccinelli lidal Almeida was actually more impressive than the one against lehechka because the the top seed was I don't want to say like this not not motivated or something, but it was certainly just a very lackluster performance. Yeah, it's it's been a weird weird couple of weeks from from Lohechka. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll see what what we get next. Let's go over to Francisco Comesaña, who beat Lavagno to start six three six three, beat John Borpiros seven six four six six love, took out Kuzmanov. Kuzmanov, who by the way destroyed Pokorny in their match six one six love. Hopefully Pokorny can bounce back before we we head to Bratislava next week. But yeah, Comesaña had had an eight match uh, win streak going, lost it, but with his loss to to Mahach in the semis. What did you make of this run for Comesaña? Yeah, we're talking about Francisco Comesania for the third time in three weeks, which we're definitely not used to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I still don't get how he is so streaky. Uh, but yeah, maybe the streak is actually not going to end as you know as last year's did, because last year he of course had that back to back challenger fifty titles and then didn't win a match until the end of the year, which was about five six months. So <laughs> it was really wild. And uh, right now he just had three huge weeks in a row. Great match against Piroš. Uh, probably one of the one of the match of, week, match of the week contenders for me, frankly. So um, yeah, just just another really good run. Um, there was someone in my in my comments, I think, under the um, tweet that he when when Comesania won Vicenza, who said that uh, you know maybe he's not going to fall in the rankings after this Challenger 50s drop because maybe he's winning Prostejov. And I remember sort of laughing at the idea because like the the draw in Prostejov is so strong, but he was actually pretty close to that. So. Um, yeah, um, amazing three weeks for him. I did not expect it at all. Yeah. Uh, do you have anybody from the quarterfinalists that you want to talk about? Um, not from the quarterfinalists, maybe, but also just a brief mention to Hinek Barton, who beat my, um, who beat my picks of Flavio Cobolli. Uh, Jesus, I mean, amazing serve, huge power on the ground strokes. I didn't see that much against Kuzmanov, but he looks like a real talent as well. And, um, you know, we, we haven't really finished like, let's say that the the previous generation of Czech tennis, like Lehechka, Mahach, they haven't really finished like just establishing themselves and getting to the best um to to you know get, getting to the best possible level they can be. And we already have you know the the backup. So Menchik, Henek Barton, Ishik Razdir who played um at the French this year, the, the, at the French the, uh, last week, um, uh, juniors, of course, and also Maxim Rva. So I mean the the Czech talent also just keeps coming. Yeah, they, they they just can't help themselves. Um, they, they just—it's insane. Both now on on the men's side and, and on the women's side. Obviously, I mean they've been an absolute factory of of tennis talent over the past yeah. twenty years. It's it's really crazy. Um, on the women's side, they like usually get to the top though. Where on the men's side, like most of them have kind of been challenger players most of the time, right? Or like yeah, maybe yeah. ATP slash challenger players. 
but yeah, there, there's there's a really high chance I think that that generation of Mrwa, Hrastil, Barton, Menchik, that like at least two of them will change that. And of course, the Hechka right now is is also very much a main tour player. Yeah, and I mean, I I feel like even guys like like, like Mahaj definitely have the potential yeah. to to give us a good few years on on the main tour, uh, for sure. Over in the doubles, we had Ariel Behar and Adam Pavlasek win the title, Behar's 24th challenger title, the seventh one for Pavlasek. They beat Bortolotti and Matos Gornes uh, in the final for for that pair. It was their second challenger final together this season. Let's go over to Tyler, where we had our two picks facing off in the final. What a treat. Nicolas Moreno de Alboran getting a point for me, beating out Mikhail Kukushkin 6-7-7-6-6-4 for a second challenger title. Um, on this run, he beat Steven Diaz 6-2-6-3, Tyson Kwiatkowski 6-4-6-2, overcame Tennis Sandgren in a big battle 7-5-4-6-6-3, destroyed Goyovchik in their semi 6-1-6-2 before playing out this classic with Kukushkin in the final. He gets to move up 45 spots in the rankings to number 142. What did you make of Moreno de Alboran's run here? Yeah, I mean, we've talked a few times about like his serve being uh, a hugely underrated weapon. And I think on, on yeah, such... Like co- 20 aces once again or, or <laughs> yeah. something like that? Yeah, yeah, 20 aces, I think, in the final, which was his carry record. But he, like he was hitting stuff like this uh, basically every match this week. And um, well, on such fast fast courts, it's, it's actually really like a genuinely huge weapon. Of course, he other than like the grinding abilities he also has a pretty huge huge forehand as well even when he played Wimbledon qualities last year he was actually kind of good so um a, a, a maybe a more um, multi-dimensional player than he's often giving credit for because well everyone probably just thinks of him as a grinder but it's not really like this and of course the, the, the huge serve was uh, a big aspect of how he won this title then again the final probably mostly won in like the physical department and um yeah just kokoshkin running out of steam a little bit uh which you know i cannot really be that angry at at least in terms of like our picks because i think both of us weren't really expecting that like moreno del boran kokoshkin they, they they weren't supposed to be our strongest picks but somehow <laughs> they landed in the final and it was actually a great match so yeah great picks from us and a, and a great final that they gave us i mean Great time. Uh, as for Kukushkin, it was his 24th challenger final, 14 and 10. First one dating back all the way to July 2007. Mm. Uh, on this run, he beat Denis Yevseyev 7 6 6 2. Mark Polmans 2 6 6 4 6 2 also came back from a set down against Shimitsu 4 6 6 3 6 4. Beat Galarno once again in three sets 6 4 4 6 6 4 to get into that final. Great battle there. Up 44 spots to number 252. What did you make of Kukushkin this week? Yeah, all these uh, three setters definitely like played its part in the final. But then again, you know, the courts in Tyler, I didn't know it at the time. Like p- picking, we didn't know how the Tyler courts were going to play. But like, I think they definitely helped him a lot. Um, the, um, uh, the slickness, the uh, low bounds, just how fast they were as well. Um, I think that that really played a part. And uh, well, he, he had such a chance to get his first title in over five years. Irving 2018. Um, he is actually, I think, the second um, on the list of active players with most challenger titles after after Bagnis. Unless there's someone with 15 titles that I'm not thinking of right now, but Bagnis has 16. 
he he has 14 which is pretty crazy as well and yeah he just hasn't gotten one in five years but then again you cannot really maybe blame the physicality because he had that um it was i think five four deuce in the second set and he had that open court backhand that he just like completely messed up the stroke on so you could see that it was just really nerves uh, but he was actually a real delight. I, I I don't think I was really that much of a fan, like in terms of viewing enjoyment of Kukushkin before. But like this week, he was actually really delightful to watch. And I think a lot of that is just from the fact, you know, how he's flat hitting just penetrates these sort of courts. So like similarly as as it would be on grass. And of course, he, he is a pretty good grass quarter too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I quite enjoy watching Kukushkin. It's sort of like a funky game. I remember I, I watched him in, in Bratislava, of course, in uh, 2019 when he beat Klein in the in the third round back then, uh, round of 16. That, that was a great match. Oh, and then he also retired, like, uh, yeah? Um, yeah, I, yeah, the, 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 then he retired against Jumhur. I watched him too. I actually forgot about that, but you're right. <laughs> yeah, and, and then like like one of like the first, like like very early matches that I remember was like him against Monfils, Australian Open, and I'm trying to remember like 2012 or, or 2013 when, when he took him out. Uh, 2012, yeah, beat, beat him in the third round, 6-4 in the third, uh, in the in the fifth, sorry. But yeah, uh, love love watching Kukushkin, good time. Um, as for our semifinalists, uh, let's start with uh, Petr Gorovchik, who started in qualifying beating Ezekiel Clark, 7-5-6-2, then Evan Zhu, 6-3-7-6. Once in the main draw, he took out Bruno Kuzuhara, 7-5-6-2, Mark Lyall, 6-1-6-3, Adam Neff, who we will also mention later on, 3-6-6-3-6-2. Didn't have uh, anything to really offer against Moreno Dalboran in the semifinals, but it was his first challenger semi of the season. What did you make of it for uh, from Gorevchik? Yeah, I mean, I've just spent like a minute talking about uh, the courts being fast, low bouncing. So obviously that's going to be good for Goyovchik as well. And that's all. that also must be one of his first big runs in a while, right? So yeah, I mean, this year he was kind of playing a pretty weird schedule of some challenger qualifying in South Korea. That's of course due to his ranking um, falling off a lot. So, so yeah, this really helps. Um, can, can he translate it to like other courts? I don't know. We'll see how this uh, Palmas del Mar, um, how Palmas del Mar plays, right? Because I feel like for a lot of these players, it would be good if it was similar to Tyler, but we just have no info on that yet. Or like barely any info, given that um, there was already the first round of qualies. Yeah, I mean, more more sort of humid, uh, warmer conditions there. Probably, yeah. So yeah, it will be, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. Other semifinals was Alexis Galarno, who beat Haida to start 6-4-6-2, took out Tung Lin Wu 6-2-6-7-6-4. And then Skander Mansuri, who was just coming off of a great win over, I think, Aziz Dugas, like 12-10 in a third set tiebreak, uh, going to that match. But yeah, first challenge semifinal also uh, in, in this season for Galarno, uh, first one since Tiburon last year. What did you make of his run here? Um, I mean, he, he, he definitely had a pretty decent run here, but, uh, just never really felt like, a. oh, actually maybe by the time, by the time he made the semis, maybe kind of felt like a title winning threat, probably one of these guys who actually didn't benefit from this course that much, but you know, he's, he's, he's really fast. He, he reads the game so well. So always, um, always a threat to, to win. I think one of these maybe slightly weaker American challengers, it definitely hasn't been happening for him this year though. And, and and yeah, this is still 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 huge. Um, and he was also four to up against Kukushkin in that final set. So 
um, quite a chance missed there. Okay, let's go over to our quarterfinals that I wanted to highlight. Adam Neff came in with a wild card beat Reis da Silva, 4-6-6-2-6-3. And then Christian Langmo, 7-6-7-6 after Langmo took out Michael Moe, who was the top seed. Uh, it was Neff's challenger uh, debut, only his sixth career uh, pro event as he's a college player for the Southern Methodist University. Uh, did you get to watch Neff and what do you think of his his game? Yeah, I didn't really. So <laughs> can't really help. But as you said, um, a college Good player. Run, I think he. I think he played earlier also for like University of North Carolina, and then then transferred to, um, as you said, the Southern Methodist University. But yeah, I don't think I've seen him before or this week either. All right, and over in the doubles, we had Alex Bolt and Andrew Harris win the title. Their second tournament together. Uh, they got their first title here, beating Evan King and Reese Stolder in their fourth challenger final together already this season. So now the time has come, match of the week, upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Um, yeah, I guess I guess I am more ready with my match of the week. Um, although I'm still kind of thinking about whether I should say that it's Moreno Dalboran against Kokushkin or not. Um, but no, I, I think I will actually go for um Heilbronn quarterfinal between Arnaldi and Munar, although Moleker Galan is also a very strong selection there, I think. Um, these three are like the, the ones I'm mostly thinking about. I, I obviously also put up the poll on Twitter, but um, it's kind of hard. Like there are there are three uh, matches there that um, currently have very similar votes Arnaldi, Daz Arnaldi, Munar, Marej Kubler and Moreno Dalboran Kukushkin. Uh, since I couldn't include two Heilbronn quarterfinals, I actually didn't include Moleker versus Galan, which I also think would have a very fine chance in this poll. Um, you know what? I'm going to just go with the recency bias and just pick Moreno Dalboran Kukushkin. Lots of um, emotions. We are supposed to record it like, you know, um, half an hour er earlier than we actually started because this match went longer than expected, but it was really fun to watch. So um, yeah, the drama was there and um, definitely also a nice clash of styles on a court that I really liked, like just in terms of viewing enjoyment, fast hard courts is, is definitely up there for me. Yeah, I will be joining you on that one, Morenando Alboran over Kukushkin for me as well. Uh, great match, made even greater by the fact that it was our two picks facing off in the, in the final. It, it, it was a lot of fun. Good match. Uh, do you have your upset ready? Not really. I mean, from, from what I'm looking, um, Neff over Reis da Silva was pretty huge in terms of the odds. Uh, Barton over Coboli was pretty good as well. Um, Luke Saville over Popperin, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I am going to go with Hinek Barton over Flavio Coboli. Not that I thought that Hinek Barton isn't really talented or something. Um, you know, right now I, I probably have more of a grip about his game than I had before this week, but still I had watched him before and like I knew he potentially could be a big prospect. However, um, just based on Coboli's form in recent weeks, um, that was um, something that caught me off guard only because Koboli was just looking really, really good recently. Yeah, we are once again matching. I've also gone with, with Hinek Baton uh, beating Flavio Koboli. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was his best win so far by, by a lot. You had picked Koboli. He, he, he was like a decent pick as well. So, yeah, I, th I think it's it's deservedly the upset of the week. 
And so we can head into the previews. We have a lovely, lovely week ahead of us. Two 125s, two 100s, and a Palmas Del Mar 75 where we're getting Kei Nishikori returning. Spoiler alert. So we have a brilliant week of tennis ahead of us on the Challenger Tour. Uh, as for our winner picks, we are now at 14 to 17. I'm cutting down that lead slowly, slowly uh, trying to get back. Uh, uh, but yeah, let's go over to Perugia and start there. We have Pedro Cacin as the top seed facing Gianmarco Ferrari. The winner will play Andrea Cuiarini or a qualifier. Then we have Matteo Arnaldi facing off with Giulio Zepieri in the first round. What an opener that is. Uh, winner gets to play Alessandro Genesi or Matteo Gigante. Then another huge first rounder as the fourth seed Dominic team plays Flavio Coboli in the first round. What a matchup. Winner gets to play Francesco Maestrelli or a qualifier. Fabian Marojan is also in that section as the seventh seed playing Franco Agam Agamenone and then Marco Trujetti or a qualifier. Third section, we have Alexander Muller, the fifth seed playing Luciano D'Arteri. Winner plays Paul Martin Tifon or Lorenzo Giustino. Uh, Jame Munar is the third seed playing Francesco Passaro or Andrea Pellegrino uh, after facing a qualifier in the, in the opener. Fourth section, second seed is Albert Ramos Vignolas. Uh, facing Federico Gallo, and then Nicolas David Ionel or Rao Brancaccio. Facundo Bagnis is also in that section, playing a qualifier, and then Eduardo Lavagno or another qualifier. Over in the qualifying, we have Renzo Olivo. Uh, he will play Stefano Napolitano after beating Strombach. So we will have the two veterans from Italy, Stefano Travaglia and Andrea Arnaboldi, facing off for a spot in the main draw. We could also have Popko uh, get in there if he beats Nino Sedarusic. Also, Roca Bataya, Nerman Fatic, some other names. In the doubles, we have Andrei Golubev and Denis Molchanov as the top seeds. They play Renzo Olivo and Mark Verfort with a protected ranking. That's interesting. We have, once again, the return of David Marrero and Druva Mulia. You cannot keep uh, those guys down. Uh, they will play Matteo Gigante and Francesco Maestrelli in their first and most likely last round. Um, and the rest of the draw, there's, you know, Zepieri is playing with, with Forti. We have Romboli and Zorman once again together. Agamemnon and Colerini. Uh, Bortolotti, Matos Not that many exciting names. But yeah, going back to the singles, who do you like for the title here? Yeah, as you said, there are just some, a few, a, a few of these are just an absolute round one crackers, you know, popcorn matches, Team Coboli, Zepieri, Arnaldi. Um, I'm not going to pick either of these players just because I think there's a very big chance that they lose in the opening round, which kind of, um, you know, just kind of takes them out of, of this for me. Munar playing potentially Passaro or Pellegrino in the second round. That's also kind of scary, right? So it's, it's not easy to find a pick here because currently I do not have the confidence in Albert Ramos Vignolas. I just don't. Um, I don't know if, you know, Gaio maybe he can beat, but like Yonel. I, I would actually want to see that match. Like maybe he proves us wrong, but I think also the, the last few times Ramos Vignolas played the challenger, uh, he wasn't really going that well, but also, you know, that, that might change now, now that he's actually in some trouble ranking wise as well. Um, anyway, I think I will just have to go with Pedro Cacin, the boring answer. You know, th there is that problem of him playing Zapieri or Arnaldi in the quarterfinals, but like if he gets to the quarterfinals, I guess I'm already happy in terms of the pick. And yeah, this is just a very high quality draw. So, so lots of stuff can happen here. But yeah, I'm going to go with Pedro Cacin. 
Interesting. So, so you have Pedro Carcin. I will be going with Jaime Munar. He came very close to, to beating Arnaldi, who was the eventual champion uh, last week. It, it makes a lot of sense for me. Passaro is is the potentially dangerous one, or, or Pellegrino, if we get him in that twice uh, a year form that, that mm. we sometimes see from him. Uh, but the quarterfinal matchup against Muller or Tardelli or Justino, I, I I quite like for for a tournament of this level. So yeah, I'm I'm quite happy picking Kamen Munar here. I, I was almost certain that you were going to go for him as well, but yeah, we get Munar and Kachin instead. Okay, let's go over to Nottingham where we have Andy Murray once again with a wild card this time as the top seed playing a qualifier and then, and then Hugo Grenier or Jan Koinski. We have a great first round here between Dominic Stricker and Denis Kudla. That will be a treat and also a treat for whoever wins that match will be facing Ryan Peniston or Mattia Bellucci in the second round. Nuno Borges is the third seed facing up with Hyun Chung, who is in here with a protected ranking. Winner gets to play Bu Yun Chao Kete or Xiang Chun Hong. Alexander Kovacevic is the seventh seed playing Shoshima Bukuro and then Liam Brody or a qualifier. Tanasi Kokinakis is here as well, playing a qualifier and then Yuxiuxu or another qualifier. Alexander Vukic will play a qualifier and then Gabriel Diallo or Enzo Kwako. Final section, we have Konstant Lestien playing a qualifier and then Otto Vitanen or Josh Lofhagen. Maybe that's how you say it, perhaps. Dominic Kempfer also in this section playing Yiji Veseli and then Steve Johnson or Arthur Ferry. Out of the qualifiers, we have Yoris Delor playing Ab- Abdullah Shelbaich. We have Kazal facing up with Daniel Cox. We have Alex Mickelson here, uh, who just beat ben- Wendelkin. He will play Lauren Lokoli. Yun Cheng Shang is also in that qualifying playing Stuart Parker. Uh, Svaida is there, Mochizuki, Litu, Noguchi, might as well just say everybody's name. Uh, they, they could all be some pretty interesting qualifiers, I think, out, out of this group. Uh, hey, it, it's a lot group. stronger than in, um, in Perugia, definitely, the qualifying. Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, we have Goransson and McLaughlin as the top seeds in the doubles. Diallo and Vukic are playing together. Um, we also have Kudla and Vesely. That's an interesting pairing. We have Julian Cash paired up with Luke Johnson this week as they had to uh, withdraw from a match last week, presumably due to a Henry Patton injury, who is not in this draw. Uh, champions from last week, Liam Brody and Johnny O'Mara will start against uh, Balaji and Kureshi. Interesting pairing there as well. Bozhez and Kovacevic also almost forgot to mention. That's a big, big pairing. Um, going back to the singles, though, who do you like for the title? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. So like a college pairing, right, between uh, Borges and Kovacevic, but I don't think they played for the same thing, right? Kovacevic played for Illinois, and um, Borges played for uh, Michigan State, I think. Anyway, um, I have this one safe selection, and I have two unhinged picks. So my, oh. unhi- I don't know what to go for yet. My un- my unhinged pick is Otto Virtanen, and if only he fared better against. Um, Yuri Rodionov last week, I would be really willing to go for it. The other unhinged pick is Gabriel Diallo, who... That's that, that's less unhinged, I think, but yeah. Less unhinged than Vitlanen. Okay, interesting. I, I, I think so, just just looking at the potential sort of road. Well, I mean, yeah, I I, I guess I just have more belief in, in Diallo than I have Vitlanen after, after Interesting, interesting, interesting. And of course, the safe pick, I mean, everyone knows what it is. It's just Andy Murray. 
Uh, I mean, can he go for two weeks in a row? I think he can, you know, he has such a nice draw other than Kudla Striker in the quarters. Kudla, I think, beat him last year in Surbiton, but Kudla yeah. just hasn't been in that sort of form. Striker on Grasville, he can eliminate him, um, definitely. Uh, Granier or Horinsky, I don't think so. Maybe a qualifier can be in, can, can some pose a threat to Mare here. You know what? I, I don't want to go for it for the top seed again. I'm going to, I'm going to go unhinged here and I'm going to pick Otto Virtanen. Uh, he is excellent in grass, you know? Um, yeah, yeah I mean, he, he, he is, but, but he also won six games last week, uh, which is why I'm a bit. Everyone I, won I, six I, games against Rudionov other than Murray. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick Otto Virtanen. You know, he lost some momentum on the clay courts for sure. Uh, he's still reasonably close to a top 100 debut. Uh, it, it's kind of stupid. Like it should be Murray, but. I just have to go for something else. I just feel like going for something else. I kind of trust Fitanen here more because I like his draw more than I do Diallo's. Uh, but yeah, I'm basically choosing between these two. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, Otto Vitan is is definitely capable of winning this tournament. I'm not oh, yeah. saying that by any stretch. If if he plays well, he he can win this whole event. Uh, Road wise, I mean, it's it's all figured in the first round. Then most likely Lestien. Then it could be Kepfer or or Vesely. Then it could be Diallo or Kokinakis or or Vukic. Maybe who knows? I mean, maybe maybe I can actually see it. Of course, I will go with Andy Murray if I can just pick him unabated. Uh, that's that's an opportunity that I'm not going to leave on the table. Do I have a lot of confidence that I'm going fully back to back all the way here? I'm not fully certain but i think just like percentage wise it's it's definitely him that i have to pick especially if you're not picking him as well so interesting that dan evans isn't here because nottingham was always the the one grass event on the, the one yeah. grass challenger that he was showing up for so i guess maybe he is not 100 percent physically that that's probably possible. what it means possible for sure Let's go over to Bratislava, the Bratislava Open. I just watched a lovely promo today, this morning on Instagram that they put out with with Pokorny and Privara and Molchan, uh, like just like you, you know, uh, near different landmarks of the city. It was it was quite nice. But let's get to the draw with Alex Molchan as the top seed facing Roman Andres Boruchaga. He will then face Kimer Kopejans or Peter Benjamin Privara. Also in a section is Tomasz Machac, the fifth seed playing Ricardo Bonadio, who was the finalist here last year. Uh, the winner of that plays Kacper Zhuk or Zdenek Kolasz. Then we have Zombor Pirosh playing Subit Nagal and then Kuzmanov or a qualifier. Norbert Dombosch gets to uh, face, well, no, he he, he didn't face Dalibor Svacina. Did, wait, did, did he? Am I um, misremembering this? Svacina? No, I mean, when? Uh, yeah, yeah, never mind. No, I, I was last week it was Arnaldi playing Gombos, but um, yeah, 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 that's that, that's what I was thinking of, and that was a different um, event as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I get it. Stina Gombos seems like cross, a matchup, cross pollinating, yes. Stina uh, Gombos seems Gombos. like a matchup, yeah, that happened. Yeah, uh, Gombos faces Frchina here, and then Andri Laksonen or a qualifier. We have Josef Kovalik playing a qualifier, and then Dino Prismich, fresh off of that French Open uh, junior title. Uh, will face a qualifier here. Federico Coria, the third seed, plays Daniel Michalski and then Lukasz Pokorny or a qualifier. Final section, we have the second seed and defending champion Alexander Shevchenko facing Jakub Menshik to start. What a matchup. Winner will get to play Cem Ilkel or Fernando Verdasco, who took a wild card into the event. 
We also have Lukas Klein playing Tomas Barrios Vera and then Demir Jumhur or a qualifier in that draw. I'm very happy with the quality of this. It feels very sort of evenly spread, but also in a way where I'm not sure who to pick at all. Uh, over in the qualifying of the finished matches that I see here, we have Mate Valkus already out, ousted by Jerome Kim, who will play Mikhail Verbensky after beating Tomasz Lanik 7-6 uh, in the third. We have uh, Sachko here playing Monzon. Milos Karel uh, will face Ulysses Blanche. Safwat got a retirement from Adukovic. Lukas Palovic will play Neumayer. Uh, Herald Meltzer also in here. Marchenko versus Rola. Winner will play Dutra da Silva for a spot in the main draw. Quite quite interesting lineup. Over in the doubles, we have Ariel Behar and Adam Palasek going coming coming in off of that title from last week. We'll play Milos Karol and Lukas Pokorni to start. Uh, Tomasz Machac and Dalibor Svrčina are playing Shevchenko and Lutarevich, which is interesting. Uh, we have a Polish derby here. Uh, Valkov with Manafov playing Matuszewski with Pehnelt. Trzewiecki is here playing with, no with Noza. Uh, Peter Nadia and Peter Privara will play the Sabanov twins. We also have a big match here. Igor Zelenai teaming up with Denia Kolarch will play the second seeds, Romani Bavi and Luis David Martinez. But going back to the main draw singles, who are you picking for the title in Bratislava? Yeah, obviously I have a couple of polls to choose from here. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> all, I'm going all for in them. precarious positions. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Korea has been injured. And once Michalski wins this, it's a decent section, but no, no, no. I don't think he would actually beat, you know, someone like Klein, Barrios, Vera, Menshikur, Shevchenko. That bottom quarter, I mean, nah, I'm not picking out of this. Klein, Barrios, Vera, I actually think I trust Klein um, right now, um, but Menshik, Shevchenko, I'm, I'm not even sure who's the favorite there. I know for the bookies it's Shevchenko, but, you know, Menshik can just come out and play a phenomenal match and nothing can really stop him sometimes. So, you know, you don't really want to face him in, in round one, I think. Jombor Piros, he has been kind of shaky, you know, losing all these, ba all these bagel sets. And also Nagal is, a, is such a tough opening round matchup, right? Stina Gombos, again, like super, super close. Ponadio Mahac, I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe these issues that Mahac had, maybe, maybe they will actually end up being more... Um, like having more impact. I don't know, you know, what the what the state of him will be. And also he lost to Kolash recently. He could play him in, in, in round two. Molchan. Do I just want to pick Alex Molchan? It's probably the reasonable thing to do, right? But um I don't know. I just I just want to go for something else, I suppose. And I'm not really even sure with what. Prismich, as you said, won um won the Ron Garros Juniors. But of course the field wasn't that great and he is kinda overly reliant on consistency you know what this is this is stupid no this is stupid this is just absolutely stupid i i i kind of want to pick lukas klein can i do That's, it i i i don't think i don't think it's stupid i mean it's it's not an easy road but like barrios vera it's not like he's he's in form at the moment or something kind of dropped like, kind of yeah. dropped it i mean I, i'm mostly afraid I, of shevchenko yeah, Shevchenko is, is is the big one uh, in the quarters, but like, I, I, you know, I think Klein yeah. is an entirely reasonable pick. If there was like a great qualifier pick here, I maybe would have gone for it. I don't think there is though. So Tough I am, luck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Um, so yeah, I'm just going to go with Lukas Klein. Um, I'm going for some wild peaks here other than the Kachin thing. I probably should have gone for like just straight up top seats so far with uh, Kachin, Molten and Murray. And, you know, that probably would have given me more chances, but I don't know. I, this draw is really tough to, I just want to go for something a little off the board, but of course, if Klein fires up, he can definitely win this event. Let's go Lukas Klein. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Klein is a decent pick to me. I, it, it's it's like the the names aren't crazy. Uh, Kachin, Vitan, and Klein. It, it's just sort of like, like like positionally where they find themselves. Vitan and Klein are maybe not sort of in in like uh, like the obvious semifinalists position that we that we sometimes uh, pick players for. But I will be going with Alex Molchan from this draw, um, especially with with Makhach having some issues. I I like the the first three rounds here for sure. Then you know Gombos or Pirosh or or whoever will be in the in the semis. Um, yeah, I I I, I, I like the way that he played Gaston at the at the French Open. Obviously, didn't do too much against Verev, which was a bit of a disappointment for me. But he is a down at number eighteen in the ranking, so he needs results. So I think that he will be fully motivated to to really go for it. Uh, have that sort of home um, atmosphere and, and and home sort of comfort. Um, so yeah, Alex Molchan, I, I quite like him for the title here. I've picked once again, last, last week I went for all M names and we are three for five and I have three M's once again. <laughs> I don't know how this is happening to me. Um, but yeah, let's, let's see if I can keep it going in Lyon, uh, where our top seed is Quentin Alice playing Pablo Yamas Ruiz and then Dracos Nikolai Madaras. Hmm? Uh, or Mikhail Hertz. <laughs> also in the section, we have Kaichi Uchita playing Alejandro Moro Cañas. And then Hugo Blanchet or a qualifier. Facundo Diaz Acosta plays uh, a qualifier. And then Dana Dead or another qualifier. Felipe Meligeni Alves plays Mateus Puccinoli de Almeida. Uh, winner faces Maguer or Navone. I think we've had a withdrawal here or yeah. something. Brancano. Yeah, uh, so we have Timofey Skatov as the fourth seed in that section playing Terence Adman, and then Chung Sin Tseng or Salvatore Caruso. Arald Mayo will play Alexander Richard, and then one of two qualifiers or lucky losers. Final section, we have Pedro Martinez as the second seed playing Gabriel Debru, and then Ivan Gachov or, or a qualifier. Benoit Pair is the other seed in section playing a qualifier, and then Luca Pui or Nick Hart. So that's an exciting section there. Going over to the qualifying we have Denis Novak in here wow who actually dropped a set to Oscar Jose Gutierrez that was <laughs> unexpected uh he will play João Dominguez for a spot in the main draw some other names uh we have Tom Paris I've, I've, I've not seen that name before he beat um Sanchez Izquierdo Jules Marie is also here Manuel Guinard Calvin Emery playing Matias Borg Mastin Javier uh yeah uh, some interesting qualifiers but obviously Denis Novak could be the the major spoiler in the doubles we have Jonathan Eseric and Miguel Angel Reyes Varela as the top seeds the Huertas del Pino brothers are playing together and they will face Scott Duncan and Marcus Willis we have Kachov and Skatov teaming up they will play Petros Tsitsipas and Sam Ferbeek Luca Pui is playing the doubles with Matias Borg he will actually play uh, Dragos Nikolai Madaras in doubles and Alexander Uchekan uh, Cervantes this week is playing with Pedro Martinez. That's fun. Uh, facing Adet and Hertz. Branton and Niebens, champions from last week, are the second seeds in this draw. Going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Lyon? 
He's like another really tough show, honestly. Um, yeah. A, a part of me wants to just say, look up we and screw it, but I'm not going to do it. Um, I, I just don't think he will win five matches. I think he could easily make the quarters, though, looking at how he performed at the French. Um, Pedro Martinez, you know, we've just talked about him being just, you know, catching some form, but he can play Gakov in the second round. I don't really like that. Um, what else can, could you really go for here? Quentin Alice, you know, he, he was out for like a little bit, I think, with something. Then he played, uh, the French and uh, didn't really look that good. Uh, Yamas Ruiz, he recently got his first ATP tour win in Lyon. Maybe that does something. Of course, Madaras, as, um, as you guys know, was going for the 10th, um, ITF title. He actually failed today in Hungary in Martin Fucevic's birthplace and uh, hometown and like residence still to this day. He uh, lost to Peter Faita uh, in the final. So looks like Madaras might actually not get that 10th title because I'm assuming that if he now plays Lyon, Blois, Wimbledon, he might be in the top 200 soon and, uh, and then won't be able to play ITFs anymore. Unless maybe at the end of the year he falls out or something. Um, Diaz Acosta, can he go to a final again? I mean, his section is amazing, right? Um, he can, he can actually maybe do something here, but I am going with someone else whose section I really enjoy. And even if these courts, I think, um, they are also like fairly fast for a clay court. I still kind of like Skatov's chances here. He hasn't been in for fin form, you know, he has kind of missed his top 100 opening. I mean, he hasn't missed it yet, but he kind of has to get to work. He was also playing a lot of ATP tour events and like that wasn't panning out for him at all. He was basically losing quality, losing in the qualifying and not getting much out of them. However, here, uh, I just love his section. You know, Atmane, Caruso, Tseng, they are all either out of form or just not that dangerous. Richard Mayo, also not that scary. So yeah, I, I'm going to go with Timofei Skatov to uh, finally uh, make some sort of an inroad in terms of, you know, his top 100 chances, which I think if he like reaches September without doing it, it will be very hard to maintain because because he had that amazing run there where he made the semis in like four of his last four of his five challengers played or something like that. Um, he had that insane run and and you know now last few months he basically kind of wasted playing ATP qualities and not getting too much out of it. So um, so yeah, I think that maybe he actually will get his uh, get himself together here. All right, team of his cutoff for you. I'm. Uh going to limit myself to the M names of which there is an absolute plethora in this drop in just a quick rundown. Madaras, Morocanas, Mager, Meligeni Alves, Mayo, and Martinez. Obviously, Pedro Martinez is, yeah. is, is the obvious one. Uh, Madaras is is calling my, calling my name a little bit with, with Ali sort of being shaky, but I'm not even certain that he would be Yamas Ruiz uh, in that second round. Yamas Ruiz, of course, very good player. I think yeah, it's it's going to be Pedro Martinez. The draw is not the easiest, but I think that if he shows his form from from last week and the and the French Open qualities, if he can give us sort of like his his best, then you know Debru Gachov, we or pair or whoever, and then Skatov, I I I think that's doable to to get to the final and then see see what goes on in there. Yeah, I, I would kind of like to pick Madaras too for like some challenger title this year. But then again, like he's already played 70 matches. We'll see what that's going to do to him, right? I mean, Benjamin Bonzi, when he won these six challenger titles at the end of the year, he was just woeful, right? This happens all the time. Um, I don't know, Yun Chao Kete slowing down. A lot of these guys who just play 
um, just way too much in, in one half of the season. And yeah, after losing to Fighter and so cleanly as well in a 15k final, which didn't even have life scoring, by the way, like it's, it, it's not that it didn't have a stream. I'm not sure why it didn't have life scoring, but you actually That's had to weird. wait for the final result on the ITF website. So it was weird, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, uh, that, that's why I can't really pick him here, but I think there, there might be like a challenger 75 somewhere later in the year where Madaras will be a very good pick. Yeah, and let's finish off with our only 75 of the week being in Palmas del Mar in Puerto Rico, the Caribbean Open, where Tunglin Wu is the top seed facing Liam Draxel. Uh, winner could then face Alexander Bravo, who is the Puerto Rican wildcard, who I actually haven't heard of before. I, I knew that they had Alex Diaz, who used to be uh, like a college player. I actually went to watch him at an ITF uh, once in this in the city where I lived. In Orange County to go interview him and he looked so unpleasant on court just such I've never seen a player act more just look more unlikable uh as he plays a tennis match Jordan Thompson uh, um uh, <laughs> anyway uh so we have Alexander Bravo here instead uh and he will it will be him or qualifying against War Draxel in that section, we have Yuta Shimitsu as well playing Baby Zhukaev and then Viktor Durasevich or Qualifier. Anton Escoffier is the fourth seed playing Daniel Masur and then Steven Diaz or Qualifier. Then we have Alexis Galarino playing Patrick Kipson and the winner facing Denis Yevsev or João Lucas Reis da Silva. Mitchell Kruger is the seventh seed facing Peter Goyovchik and then Christian Langmore or Kei Nishikori in his comeback match here with the wildcard. Of course, we saw him do the uh, the the challenger comeback in in 2018 to uh, well the event where I saw him not much success lost <laughs> that that first match against Novikov, but of course went on to to win the title uh, in Dallas and beat Novikov in Dallas as well in the yeah, in the yeah. opening round. Yeah, got his revenge. So we will see what he can do against Langbone here, and then potentially Kruger or Goyovching in the next match. Also in a section is Mark Paulmans as the third seed facing Adam Walton, and then Ruben Stadium or a qualifier. Final section, we have Nicolas Moreno de Alboran playing a qualifier and then Mikhail Kukushkin or Tristan Schoolkid. So we could get the final of Tyler in the second round here, which is pretty fun. Dane Sweeney plays Skander Masuri and then Alex Bolt or a qualifier. Over in the qualifying, we have Mariusz Kopil potentially. Uh, would have to beat Gabriel Evans and then Gustavo Heide to qualify. We have Evan Zhu facing Alex Rybakov. Nick Chappell is here. Uh, Kaito Wesugi got through his match against Pettergill. He will play Sinclair for a spot in the main draw. Michael Zheng uh, has has a chance to, to get through after yeah. being pawn with. Uh, and of course, Trump Kirkheimer is here and he will face the winner of Bernard Tomic or Donald Young. What a matchup we have here in the first <laughs> qualifying round uh, in Palmas del Mar. Over in the doubles, we have Evan King and Reese Stolder as the top seeds. Uh, Monon Dalboran plays with Nathan Pawn with. Uh, we also have Jisung Nam and Artem Sitak as the second seeds here, Kade Masur. But no, no Tomich uh, that I was hoping ho hoping for. Back to the singles here. Who are you picking for the title? I have no clue. <laughs> Absolutely zero. 
And like um, when when it comes to the previous events, I felt like there were maybe you know 10, 12 players who were stronger than the field, but pretty close to each other. Here it feels like like the whole field is basically at one level, and someone can just you know peak and and win this. Also, we kind of hinted at this when talking about Little Rock, sorry Tyler, but uh, we kind of don't know like at all how these courts will play and what's going to happen. As you as you also rightfully said, um, the the weather conditions could could be an influence too, which in the Caribbean are going to be pretty different than what we usually see in these um, North American events. I don't know. Absolutely. I mean, Tunglin Wu playing drugs in, in his current form, that might be, even be tough. Escofia has been getting all of these deep runs at challengers. Maybe someday he's going to win one, but you know, he's playing Masur in the opener. Can I, can I really trust him? Garno Kipson, Kruger Gojovczyk. Mark Polman's played pretty well last week, but like Adam Walton in the opener, that's already quite tough. Sweeney playing Mansuri. If the courts are fast, then Mansuri could easily win this. Kukushkin, I'm not going for again. Moreno Alboran. That's probably who you whom you're gonna whom you are gonna go for, I think, with the M selections, because I don't really see many others. There's Masur, there's um Mansuri, and I guess that's it. So I'm I'm assuming that you're gonna go with Moreno Alboran, unless there's someone in the qualities. Um like Honestly, no, no. Just, it, it, it's going to be more than all, but I, I, I can tell you. Okay. Now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just looking at all of this, I kind of want to just go for something extremely wild and just pick someone from the qualifying. I just wonder Comment? who that who that should be. Um, he hasn't been too convincing in the in the in, in no, recent weeks, no. right? <laughs> Escobedo, I think, lost to Haida last week. Um, can we pick Michael Schenk? I wonder. Now he's already beaten Nathan Ponwith. He's gonna play Rodriguez or Boitan. Uh, do I trust He'll him? He'll probably qualify, hope, hopefully. I mean, Boitan, uh, Boitan has been a, also like an amazing cl- uh, college player, I know. And um, mm-hmm. oh, he's already in the top 500 as well. Was Daniel Rodriguez a college player as well? I think so, right? Um, so so it's like the, there's a lot of collisions in there. I'm going to go with Michael Zheng. It, it's wild. It's, 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 it's <laughs> idiotic. But uh, yeah, I just have absolutely no clue who's going to win this event. I, I don't even have a pick. Uh, just looking at all of the guys in the main draw, Zheng is, I, I, I think, has quite a lot of potential. So maybe this is his breakthrough event. Uh, you know, if he doesn't qualify, I kind of look stupid. If he qualifies, there are some spots like Bolt, who has been out of form, Rubin Stadium, that's beatable. Um, no, Diaz, that's beatable. Alexander Bravo is, I'm assuming, very beatable. I have not seen him ever. But yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go for it because I don't really know what to do. And Nishikori, uh, no. It'll, it'll, be, it'll be great, but I, I like first tournament back, yeah. I, just, I just don't really see it. Let's talk about it in a month, but right now I'm, I'm not going to pick him. I think Kruger or Goyovchik second round, that could already be pretty tough. I, I honestly could think even Langmo could be yeah sure uh, yeah. difficult in, in the opening there. But yeah, just to recap, I've got Munar, Murray, Molchan, Martinez, and Moreno Dalboran. You've got Kachin, Vitanen, Klein, Skatov, and Michael Zhang. Uh, could this be the week that I take over, erase the whole three-point deficit? Uh, hope, hope I, I can only hope, uh, but I think that I've put myself in a potentially interesting position. I mean... I, I really like all of my picks, even the, even though they're all, you know, <laughs> gimmick picks, basically, all, all starting with the same letter. 
Well, the first wasn't a gimmick pick. The second no, it yeah. wasn't for, either. For, right? for, first three were, were genuine. And, and exactly. Then, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just two of them, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, last week your gimmick pick, which I think was the only gimmick pick, was uh, Moreno Dalboran was, uh, you know, gave you the point. So I uh, gave you like an important point because Murray, like we both picked. So, you know, it doesn't really matter in the, in terms of the standings. Um, yeah, I mean, I have three points. I, I have the, I have the lead, but you know, given how I've picked uh, this week, I'm not sure I'm going to hold on to it for a long while. I might have to start taking things more seriously pretty soon. However, if I land like three of these winners, I'm actually a genius, uh, uh, you know? That, that, that'll be insane. I mean, we, we yeah. might as well end the game. Uh... If I land Michael Zhang, we we end the game. Like that that, that basically should be the rule. It, let's not make it a rule because like if he wins, then, then we actually screwed up a bit, but... Um, anyway, um, thank you guys for, for listening as usual. We are going to be back in a week to talk about, um, yeah, lots of names this week. Sorbito, uh, no, it's not Sorbito, Nottingham, Perugia, Lyon, uh, Palmas del Mar. And I'm also blanking on this one European event on, oh, Bratislava. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you couldn't see it, of course, but Jakub was just, um, making a very visible reaction that made me think. I, I, I wasn't sure if you were doing a bit like, like joking or if you actually, no, no, no. It. I actually forgot it was Bratislava. I know when it's five events, it's really tough to even yeah, tough, list yeah. them. Um, maybe, maybe like middle of the week, you kind of start having some connections, you know, oh, well, this guy is playing there or I watched this much and, and like, then, then you maybe can come up with it pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, just, just after sort of rattling off the five events and, and the peaks, it's, it's, it's still pretty hard. But anyway, um, yeah, again, thanks. And, and we'll talk about all of that in a week and, and more. And hopefully Michael Jenk is going to claim the title in Palmas del Mar. Bye. Thank you.